Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 55 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I get to talk to Yusuf Mapara, who is the creative director at Switchblade Monkeys, the studio behind Secret Ponchos. Now, you may remember Secret Ponchos as being one of the games debuted at Sony's crazy E3 extravaganza in 2013, where they had like 11 or 12 indie game developers on stage all playing their games at the same time. It was kind of nuts and kind of awesome. Secret Ponchos was one of those, and it is a multiplayer-based uh, isometric shooter. It looks beautiful, uh, looks really interesting, and uh, I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to let Yusuf talk about it. So if you want to find out more information about Secret Ponchos, then check out darkstation.com. The show notes to this episode will have links to their website, the Steam page, all that kind of good stuff. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are on iTunes. We're the Darkcast, and while you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And uh, finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you for listening. Now on with the show. Today, Yusuf, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm a little tired. Just got in from work, but um, excited to talk about Secret Ponchos. Right on. So, uh, before we get started talking about the the game itself, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do at Switchblade Monkeys. Um, so I'm the creative director at Switchblade Monkeys and of Secret Ponchos, and. Uh, you know, I also work on animations and effects of the game. Um, we're all, the whole team is just a group of old friends. You know, we all had jobs at different studios in the AAA space. And, uh, you know, like one guy was working at Blizzard as a concept artist. One guy was at Hasbro. I was an art director at Radical. We kind of just decided to make our own little passion project for fun. And that was what House Secret Punch just started. We, you know, just did it kind of in secret in our, in our basements, so to speak. And then, um, uh, we took the game to uh, PAX, and that was our, you know, the, our kind of first exposure as a real as a real commercial game. Awesome, and uh, made a, a pretty good splash because then Sony hunted you down and, and put you on stage in front of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Um, so we were, you know, we were really struggling when we were doing an indie project. You know, it we we were we knew we wanted to go on console, but there was a lot of barriers of entry and. You know, we were running low on cash. Even though we were all working, like, just for fun on the project, there's still a lot of costs associated. Like, we had to hire people to fill in gaps that we didn't have and stuff. So we were running out of cash, and um, we took our last little bit just to say, okay, well, if this is our last hurrah, let's just show it at PAX and just let people see the game that we made. And uh, we did that, and it was there that, I don't know, it just got received really well. Um, We didn't know how people like only our closest friends saw it and of course they would be nice to us so we didn't know how the main <laughs> people would receive it we um yeah it was just cool the booth was pumping there's like people cheering and and uh sony came by they played the game and they said like you know can we help you get this on ps4 so two months later we were on stage at e3 uh on, when they were doing the ps4 press conference so it was just been a crazy crazy ride was there a moment after, like, Sony came by and made that, like, hey, can we help you get this on PS4? Was there, like, you know, like a quiet reserve and then suddenly, you know, when they're gone, just like, a, oh, my God, we've done it? No, it was, I mean, it, you would think, right? But we, <laughs> we actually were kind of terrified because, you know, we were trust, we were thinking we were struggling so much with a, a previous-gen type title, and it meant we'd be, like, really going back to... We didn't want to make a PS4 game. We wanted to make a really good PS4 game. So it meant we would have to, um, you know, learn new hardware, uh, redo a lot of, uh, redo the assets to really make sure that they're next gen and all that kind of stuff. So we had a little meeting, and I was super excited about it because it just seemed so cool to be a PS4 title. But 
you know, we were already struggling with the logistics of, of our smaller scale, and now we're actually like stepping up onto a bigger playing field. So um, we, but then we just decided, like, who cares? Like this whole thing is just, it's just about going for it. It's like it never at any point was a realistic thing that we should be doing. You know, it was always <laughs> sort of this wild dream that we we're chasing. So we said, let's just dream bigger then, and then we just tried it. And you know, it's always been a struggle, but it's just been so cool. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a great experience. Awesome. Um, so did you have a, a planned uh, platform for it before PAX? No, we had no idea. We knew we knew we were building the game with the console controller. Like, um, so we knew it would. We knew we didn't want it to be an iPhone game. We knew we didn't want it to be a keyboard mouse kind of game. So, um, but we weren't sure where it would end up. So we were just building it on the PC with the console controller plugged in. You know, and that's where where Sony kind of jumped in. Very cool. So, how how was it kind of adjusting to the that new and and different hardware? It was good because before that we actually had some PS3 dev kits we were playing with, and they were a lot harder to use. So sure. the PS4 ones we didn't know what to expect, right? So when we got them, because there was a huge learning curve with PS3 dev kits, because they were all using, you know, their own like cell structure and all that kind of stuff. That's really weird. Um, but we were really relieved when we got up on the PS4s. They were just really easy to work with, and, and I don't know, it was just like, it was, it was awesome. Uh, it actually ended up being much smoother than if we would have continued building PS3. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, if you're going to make it easier on us, we'll definitely be on your platform. PS3s were very fast, like, but you needed because they had their own technology, but you needed mm -hmm. to own their technology to utilize that speed, whereas PS4 is kind of more, you know, out of the box, you get better performance. Sure. Very cool. So how long have you guys actually been working on uh, Secret Ponchos? <laughs> it's kind of funny. It, it's been a long time. We, we started in 2010, so it's okay. been now uh, yeah, four and a half years, I guess. Um, we, you know, we started really small, and one by one, like our friends would be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, that looks cool. You know, if you need help, I'm in. And then so our team started growing and growing. So we really started, I think 2013 is the game where, the year where things really started taking momentum. You know, we started being able to play our game and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's funny, if you look at our trailers, like even our initial trailers where we're pitching, it's like coming 2012, you know, coming 2013. <laughs> coming 20 guests. <laughs> so yeah, so it's... 20 XX. Yeah, that's what we should have did. So, <laughs> but I mean, um, we could have released it at any point. It just, you know, we just always want to keep making the game better and better. And there's always, always a chance to raise the high bar. And you know, it just feels like the, we were pretty close to releasing when it was it was around that PAX time. But you know, switching to PS4 meant to really hit that PS4 quality everyone w would want. We knew we'd have to rebuild the game from scratch in a new engine. So that was kind of why we were scared. But we did it. Like so, we rebuilt it. We disappeared from the media. We just put our heads down, and we rebuilt the game from scratch in, in Sony's Fire Engine. And then it ended up being like really good. Like it ran 60 frames per second and 1080p, and and um, that's the kind of stuff you expect from like a uh, you know, like a fighting game, you know. And before it was more kind of like an indie fighting game, and then we had to kind of ra raise our own kind of expectations on ourselves when we when we stepped on that PS4 stage. So you guys rebuilt your game in two months, is, is what you're telling me. No, no, it's been, um, well, E3 was a year ago, right? So, right. Um, but what happened was, we kind of, we were at E3, we decided to switch engines, and then the PlayStation okay. 4 launch event was the first time we showed it on the PS4, so okay. we, we just like went like crazy rebuilding it, but it's been about a year. We, we, so, we so. You didn't rebuild it between PAX and E3? No, no, no. Okay, I was going to say, holy cow, that's intense. Did you guys not sleep? But no, <laughs> you did sleep. That, that's good. <laughs> yeah, at PAX, at PAX we showed our prototype that we had before, and then and then during that time behind the scenes we were, we were working on the PS4 machine. Gotcha. Awesome. So uh, recently you guys announced that... Um, Secret Ponchos is coming to PC. It is now on Steam Early Access, um, and people can can pick it up now. That's pretty awesome. Uh, did you ever? I, I know you didn't have really any plans, kind of, 
before PAX, but was PC kind of always there in the back of your mind, or is that just from fan outcry of, hey, we need this on computers too? Oh, fan outcry definitely drove that decision. We had our hands full with the PS4, and we didn't want to take on anything else, but there were so many people that were like, oh, I love this game, can I have it on PC? And uh, we, in the beginning, we were just like, oh no, we can't do that, maybe later. But then eventually, we just kind of go, it was just so many requests. Like, we even had at PAX, like a petition given to us with like 300 signatures oh my saying bring it to PC. <laughs> so we were just like, okay. And and we would tell, we tell, we told them like, we don't even know anybody at Valve. Like, how are we going to get through the green light? You need like a lot of thumbs up. You know, it was, back then, green light was hard. And um, we, it's not like we have like a huge following, right? So we, you know, we said that. The, that was one barrier we were scared of. And the second barrier was we just didn't have money for a, to develop another SKU. Um, so, when we reached out to Valve just to see, like, how does this green light stuff work, we were really fortunate. They were like, oh, Secret Ponchos, we love you guys. Don't worry about the green light. Don't worry about the green light. <laughs> so that, so that, that really... yeah, No, no, we got you on this list. You're, you're set. <laughs> yes, we, so then uh, we didn't have to go through the green light. And then, so that barrier went away. And then um, we started learning about the early access program. And that seemed like a really good solution to funding the PC. Is we could, we had a solid a solid uh, alpha build and we could just let people play that and then we can not only use those funds to fund the actual PC version but we'll get all this amazing feedback that we can put into both SKUs, the PS4 and the PC SKU will get better. So it really was a kind of became a no-brainer that, that joining early access is the strategy, the right way to kind of go. It makes your PS4 version better and it funds the PC version. Sure. And we just had no idea. We didn't even know what early access was when we were making these decisions. So it's been... <laughs> well, like, get to like, uh, like talking about the game proper. I, I have to know, and I have to get this out of the way. Who names your stuff? Because Switchblade Monkeys and Secret Ponchos are fantastic names. Oh yeah, I'm glad you like them. Like sometimes people hate those names. So. <laughs> those people, those people are wrong, and they're monsters. Their don't count. There's, just secret, secret ponchos by itself is like what what is going on here? But switchblade monkeys, you guys are on it as far as names go. Nice. I'm glad. We, for switchblade monkeys, we just wanted something kind of fun and edgy, and you know it shows we don't we're not like taking ourselves super serious as this epic. That you know it just we just that's our more attitudes, more playful. Sure. What about switchblade monkey as like like design that I have not seen yet? What's that? Do you have like a do you have a an actual like switchblade monkey logo? You know what? That's so funny. We don't actually have a switchblade monkey and that's what we totally want. Right now everyone's imagining <laughs> Right now when you say everyone just imagines their own, but that was one reason actually we I mean I worked when I worked at Radical, um I was just always thinking like how do you make Radical into a logo? You know, it's just like <laughs> it's, just, it's like an abstract ideal, you know, and, and, and so I, I, I like Switchblade Monkeys because I could just imagine a Switchblade Monkey right away. So that was, yeah. But we haven't got, we haven't gotten around to doing it. We've been too busy making a game. That is a good reason not to make a logo. Too busy <laughs> making the game. <laughs> what about Secret Ponchos? Where where did that come from? Well, um, we were working on the game secretly. I mean, this is a weird story, but a weird way to name your game. But we were working on the game totally in secret because it was like a passion project that we weren't actually allowed to work on. Um, we were like sneaking after hours and working on it and stuff. And then we uh, we made a blog called, and you know, we called the blog Secret Ponchos, but that was actually us. It wasn't intended to be the name of the game, right? And we would just like it was a private blog we could all see and we could share our stuff because we all worked on this game from our own homes. So that's where we would submit our updates. And, uh, well, you know, Poncho is obviously, you know, because we're Western, we're making a Western game, and that's like, you know, the most iconic thing is Clint Eastwood standing there with, perfectly still with his poncho blowing in the in the wind, you know, as he's staring down his opponent. So th that we knew we wanted something that kind of had that feel. But when we went to name the game, we went through all the proper names that you're supposed to name your game. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a certain vocabulary that, there's about like 50 words that every game seems to drop. Like e use. extreme age of legends origins. Yeah, exactly. All those words, <laughs> and, and you basically just mishmash them in different orders, and you get different names. And they all, 
it feels like a proper game name if you do that, but it's not, and it's kind of people know what to expect from marketing it, you know, like, but, but the thing is, they all felt so generic, and something about Secret Ponchos, like, we, we, it just grew, grew on us so much that we couldn't find something that had that same vibe, you know, like, where it was something new, and it was still kind of Western, but it just was memorable, you know, and we could have gone with something like Renegade Revolvers or something, but it would have felt, <laughs> You know, it's just something about Secret Ponchos we liked, and so and it didn't make total sense as a name, but we, we just loved it so much that we just decided, well, this whole thing is about just doing what we love and what feels right to us, so let's just do it and, and see. And the funny thing is, it worked out because when IGN did our announce, uh, Marty Silva told me he had this, like, list of, like, you know, this list of games that he had to choose which one to do, and he just was going through the list. And he's like, "Secret Ponchos, what the hell is that?" And then it, that's what got, got his attention, and so <laughs> I did our did our announce. So I think it worked. Like sometimes it just it, it feels like a memorable name. So. Yeah, definitely. That's the long story, but I mean, people brag on us sometimes. They're like, "What the hell? Oh, why do you call your name Secret Ponchos? It doesn't make." Especially in this, I think in the states, you guys call raincoats ponchos. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I'm from Canada, so we don't call uh, to us a poncho is like what you wear in the Wild West. Um, yeah. So, a, well, I mean, uh, you don't call just like a regular raincoat a poncho. It's a particular design for raincoats that it's you like a plastic poncho. Yeah, that it looks like the thing that Clint Eastwood wore, but with a hood as with well. A, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's clear plastic, normally with like Mickey Mouse on it. Yeah. So, right, right. so yeah. I guess I would just call that a raincoat, but yeah, sure. so so I think that that, that kind of <laughs> caused a little confusion, but you know, um, I don't know. It's we're we're happy to, we're, we're I think people get it eventually. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what what does a switchblade monkey wear? He wears a secret poncho, so <laughs> it, it it all works. <laughs> no, no, no. A switchblade nope. monkey is a greaser monkey. Who pulls out a switchblade? It's like but it's he would, the monkey. It's like the Danny Zuko of monkeys. But he would wear if he was gonna wear anything. He would wear a secret poncho. No, he represents secret ponchos. He would have to come out and be tougher than the poncho. Tougher than the poncho. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we've talked a lot about secret ponchos, but for our listeners that don't know, can you kind of lay out what the game is? Sure. We we basically. I think we invented our own type of fighting game, which is kind of weird. Um, and uh, and we wrapped it in a spaghetti western kind of theme, and we just decided to go all out spaghetti western on it. And um, but it really is like a unique game. Like it doesn't play like any team shooters. It doesn't play like any fighting games. But it really, I mean, it it, it is both of those things. Um, the game, you know, imagine a twin stick shooter that's all PvP. You know, the camera's isometric. Camera. I don't know. I haven't seen any really PvP twin stick shooters. Um, they're usually against like AI hordes and stuff. So, um, but then the reason it's like a fighting game is, you know, um, it, it actually you you have different attacks. You have series of different attacks, just like Street Fighter or something, and they all have different ranges, just like Street Fighter. And you're really just trying to impose your spacing on your opponent and using quick quick twitch and, and spacing, controlling spacing to win the match. So. Under the hood, it really plays like a fighting game, but it's a different kind of camera view, and it supports because of that camera view. You can't, you don't just have to fight one on one. You can fight like up to eight players fighting at, at the same time. So um, sometimes people describe it as imagine Power Stone with guns. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Other people say imagine a MOBA where everything's a skill shot. You know, uh, there's, there's, we, we get told a lot of different things. So. <laughs> <laughs> So nice. it's it, it's uh, um, Secret Ponchos is all it's basically all multiplayer all the time. Yeah, it's, it's all multiplayer. Um, we will add a. I mean, we're getting a lot of people now asking us for story mode and stuff because the characters look very cool and they have cool backstories. And uh, that's something we actually really want to keep expanding. But we, right now, our priority is focusing on just nailing the multiplayer, putting all of our focus on that. And then if the game is good, then then we can, we'll have the opportunity to add single player. So as you're as you're kind of pushing this out and it's getting uh, it's getting kind of recognition and kind of building up, um, how does 
because I, I don't think we've ever had the chance to actually talk to someone that's that's kind of just starting at the same time that they're also putting out like a, a multiplayer only game. Uh, how how does that like how does that work with the with the size of the community and with getting people kind of on? Because obviously you have to have somebody to play against. Right. Yeah. You know what? It's a huge risk. It's a huge risk to make a multiplayer game only, and so. Basically, you hedge your bets by adding a single-player mode. And um, but we approach this not from a business point of view. Like we're not like making a business startup. We we just said what kind of game we're making this is because this is a game we wanted to play, so we wanted to make it. So we weren't really thinking through the business risks and stuff. Um, now we know that as a developer, it's going to be it's easy to make a so-so game. But to make that game a great game that people come back to and it has longevity instead of just a trend that they just ditch, that's really hard, you know. And it really just comes down to polishing and polishing and polishing when you think your game is done instead of shipping it and keep polishing. So that's what a multiplayer game needs. So we decided it, it's too risky for us to add a single player because it, it just takes our focus away from that. So in the beginning, it made it really scary because when we needed money, you know, we were like looking at publishers and stuff, and it just no one would really want to touch a game that's multiplayer only like this. Um, but I think that you know we 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 believe in ourselves that we're going to make a good game, and and so we and we knew we couldn't do that if we're doing too many things at once. So that's why we focused on multiplayer. Um, so then steps in Sony, and they were really awesome because they're the first ones to take a chance on us, and they're taking a big chance on us. So, but Sony has you know a lot of community, so. What we decided to do was join the PlayStation Plus program because, you know, if your game, you were saying that you guys have played games that are really good, but the lobbies go dead, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So and that's I've played a lot of really bad games where there's no lobby at all, ever. Right. <laughs> so um, that's the lifeline of a multiplayer game is how many people are playing it, you know? And um, so we knew that this would be a huge risk for us. And so with Sony they're going to put our game on PlayStation Plus for their customers, so they're going to get it for free the first month that they, you know, that that, that, that promotion is on. But that means it's going to give us a user base of millions of customers, potentially, right? So it kind of solves that problem for us, and now all we have to do is focus on making a really good multiplayer game and not worry about the... We have to worry about the marketing of the community and all that stuff because Sony's going to put that in place for us. That's awesome. That That's, you know, having a... Especially on the, like you know on a new console, which is not hurting for, but you know it, it definitely they're in need of, of games to kind of keep coming out to have something like that, and especially something to kind of gather the, com the community around. That's kind of a real big thing. And right. for free, that's you know you got PS Plus, you can't beat that. Those Sony's been really knocking it out of the park uh, out of the park with those uh, with the uh, their free game offers. Yeah, I think I think that's going to help. Um, it's just going to let us. Uh, have a really healthy community and let gamers find matches really easy when it comes out, and then it'll the game will have a lot of exposure. And so we're just kind of building in preparation for that. So with the with the multiplayer uh, with the multiplayer only focus, what what kind of um, uh, game modes can we expect to see? So you can uh, we built a game primarily in the beginning to make sure one-on-one -on -one was fun because a lot of multiplayer games they're only fun because there's a lot of different guys running around and as soon as you boil it down to a one-on-one -on -one deathmatch it's really not that fun it's kind of empty so we built it the reverse we fleshed out we only focused on one versus one fighting and making sure that there's that depth there that like every move you do they can see what you're doing and counter it and then you have a counter for what they're doing so it has that that's where we learned from the fighting games to, to have that kind of depth then once we layered in more players Every, like those matches became super fun and that's kind of how the game ended up feeling really unique um, so you can play one on one you can play two on two four versus four and you can play eight player free for all matches um, and there's different types of modes within those like there's a mode where you respawn when you die in the team fights and your team just has to get five more kills than the other team so it's like a tug of war but then there's one mode where it's like last man standing and it's like if you die during a round you're just dead and it's like the team who exterminates the other team first wins you know um so that there's there's a huge that is crazy you just you take the same mechanics in the same game but you change the rules and it really puts a different dynamic and vibe on the game and we were just amazed by like i mean we kind of knew it but we didn't really appreciate that until we started experimenting with it 
awesome. You see in Call of Duty, like, they change one little rule, like, okay, everyone only has one bullet, and then all of a sudden that mode just becomes a game of its own, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and that was kind of quite the game. <laughs> that, that one, I remember the, uh, that one the, where you got to pick up the bullets of the other guys, and it's, you know, the, that's really kind of the experimental, and you kind of hope it works, and then when it works, you're like, all right, yes, yeah, we kind of got something. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's this whole world of that stuff that we were going to get to experiment with post-launch, you know, and um, we, the good thing with a digital game nowadays is you can, it's not just you're done when you ship the disc, it's like you, you just start, that's where your work starts, and then you have the community playing, and then you can start experimenting with cool things and, and keep patching them in, so that's kind of the model we learned from the PC gaming scene, and we really want to kind of bring that to console. Very cool. So, how's the, the transition back to PC been? It's been hard, man. Like, actually, to be <laughs> honest, I thought PC development is kind of famous for being, like, easier, right, than console, because in sure. the past, you have to learn this weird console hardware and stuff, but we already wrapped our head around that stuff, but one thing is, on console, everyone has the exact same hardware, so you can, you can really push that line of making the quality of your content as as good as possible and then and then uh, ride that optimization line where your performance is still good so you can like push your game as hard as you can before it starts getting slow and then you do optimizations make sure it's fast and you're like awesome we jammed in the best quality to performance ratio possible so that's really what console development is about PC development you have no idea everyone's going to have a different machine so you have no idea how to put the where to put that line. So what you have to do is you kind of have to just make it more organic where the user can set up their their quality settings based on their on their machine, right? And so it seems easy, like, oh, it's just a bunch of sliders or whatever, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And then there's a lot of work into just, like, making sure the game runs on all this different hardware, you know? Like, we test we tested a lot on PS4 to make sure there's no bugs and stuff, but crazy when you combine all these different drivers and different manufacturers and all that kind of stuff that there's a lot of um, support so you end up not working on your games so much like how to make this guy this guy's shooting mechanic really fun you end up working on how do we make sure this works on every computer out there Um, that's the thing that I kind of learned from this because you know I came from a a console development background Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean there's really nice stuff about PC development too like PC development is very flexible and um, you know it, it, um, it's really good for prototyping because you don't have to wrap your head around this hardware and stuff you can just kind of you know um, get stuff going on your PC there's like a you know most of your tools that you build content in are on your computer so there's like it just it's just easier you don't have to go through something else so there, there's pros and cons to both So I don't want to get in trouble from the PC guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and no take the, the heat off of you. I play all of my PC first-person shooters with a controller. There. Get mad at me. Uh, <laughs> um, the hate mail, Jonathan. Yes. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Divert it. Um, <laughs> For most indie developers, though, it's going to be really much easier to develop a PC title because everything they need, they already have. You know, there's a lot of barriers of entries to getting hardware and learning how to make it work and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, I think that's why a lot of people love, love PC development. Sure, sure. Uh, but I feel like some of that's kind of changing because with this new generation, um, there's a, you know, a lot more in- emphasis being put on, on indie developers. Uh, and to make it where PC doesn't have quite that, you know, big of an advantage compared to, to consoles like it used to be. Um, which is exciting, because we need more indie developers. We need more games. That's, that's great. Yeah, I think as these engines like Unity and, and that kind of stuff, they go, the more they start supporting hardware, mm-hmm. um, then it doesn't matter. Like, the an, a person can make a game on their computer and sort of deploy it to... A PC build or deploy it to a PS4 build, and it's the the guys at Unity that or whoever makes the engine. It's their job to handle all the hardware stuff and that kind of stuff. So that's where it's going to get a lot easier. You know, there a lot of barriers to console development are disappearing. Yep. So um, you know, it's it's 
Secret Ponchos is coming to PS4. It's already on PC. Any desire to, to go to any other consoles? The Ouya? The Xbox? Um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think I think we're right at the brink where we have our hands full. Like, sure. Completely. So sure. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of developers will put their stuff out on multiple platforms, and that's a really smart thing to do because you'll generate revenue. Like, you know, like a lot more revenue by doing that. But for us, we just think, I don't know, I just think like, if we have to start doing another set of matchmaking and another set of trophies and another set of like all that stuff, we're not working on the game anymore. We're duplicating work. And so it kind of lowers the quality of the game. So our strategy is sort of just to focus on one thing and try and make it really well. And then if, if it does well, then we can look at like later porting a version, you know? So it's sort of a different approach we're taking. Um, it's like a more focused on one platform, puts us at a little bit of financial risk, but helps us helps us with quality. So nothing's excluded for the future, but you know, definitely when we launch the PS4 version, there's not going to be an Xbox version that day or anything because it's just impossible. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so is there any uh, kind of coming to the early access? I mean, I know you guys haven't been there too long, but has there anything that's kind of, has there been anything that surprised you? Um, with yeah, the honestly, community yeah, every, or everything surprised me because <laughs> we're we're so um one thing is like I'm really excited about this this early access. I was surprised by how um how community driven it is. Steam it's like uh it's really cool. Like and and PC gamers are very like they're awesome. They're very engaged in. They're not just like posting like oh this game sucks or whatever. Like they'll actually like play your game and write you back like really good feedback on what they like and what they would like to see changed. Um, it, that, that side's been crazy. Um, one mistake we made is we, pretty much the theme of this thing is every decision we make is sort of revolved around uh, quality. Like we just want to be putting out a respectable game that people like. So um, we, we knew the console controller is what we built the game from the ground up with. And we, so we just said, instead of, selling uh, keyboard and mouse controls that are inferior, let's just only sell it to people that have a console controller. Um, mm -hmm. And that way that nobody has a bad time. Everyone has a good time with the controls, right? Um, but we got a lot of backlash for that. And I think the there's a lot of players that really just want to play on keyboard and mouse. So we realized like, okay, we need to take a couple steps backwards and build this, build, build this keyboard and mouse support. So we kind of learned that from the community. Um, that was a surprise because we, at the end of the day, I still believe our game's always going to play better on a key on a controller. But I think some people, if they love their if they love keyboard and mouse, then they they should be able to play it on them. They shouldn't be forced. So um, that was something we learned. Um, another thing that was amazing about early access, like I don't know how other developers do it, but we're pretty hands on with early access. So we just like we play our game with our community all the time, and we identify ourselves as developers. So Sometimes people see us on, and all of a sudden, the whole everyone stops fighting each other, and they start going, going for us. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, so alliances are, are, are made. <laughs> Deals broke. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, I was blown away by how good people got at our game. They're like already beating, it. like they're better than us, and it's our game. Like we made it. I don't know how they got so good. You know. Um, there's, it's crazy. Uh, I never expected that because, I don't know, the first day I was like shooting at people's feet and stuff to like make them feel like not, you know, make them feel good. And all of a sudden I'm like, now by day three I have to like try my best because these guys are just so good. Uh, you're not getting headshots, you're not playing the game. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> so that was something. Um, we love playing. Like we actually play with our Steam community every day, twice a day. Um, at three o'clock and at eight o'clock p.m. Um, and they, they love it because they they log in around that time too. And if you see anybody like you'll see me on, it'll be Yusuf underscore SBM, and that means Switchblade Monkeys. And so um, we started. I don't know, like just doing that a lot. And I I thought that would be very common, but um, I guess from what they're saying that it's not that common for them to see actual devs playing the game with them. You know, um, so. I thought that's kind of what early access was all about. So we were enjoying that, and um, what we didn't realize was how good the community is at helping us. Like, so what they did was they made their own like chat group, 
and it, like they organize it and they, they all go in there and they talk to each other while they're playing and then um, when we go in there all the time it's really fun because they're we know know everybody now and they can they can just tell us like they're like oh man I think this guy's broken you know I I was fighting him and he just kept spamming me with this move and it's just like there's no there's no barrier between the fans and, and the developers and uh, I'm used to a lot of barriers between the fans and the developers because you work at a studio there's a publisher the people might write to a generic email and never get it you know what I mean like it yeah it's just a totally different world now so that that's really fun um, and this is our very first exposure to it so hopefully people I don't know like I, I think hopefully uh, people will start seeing more and more interaction between fans and developers that's direct yeah well I, I think that's one of the the draws of uh, being an indie developer not not only you know is generally your game development time gonna be shorter it's not gonna be like you know, five years of constantly going back to the drawing board to appease share <coughs> excuse me, appease shareholders or whatnot. Um, but you get that much more immediate access because you have less people to answer to. <laughs> right. And I think now I get that's what early access is about. It's not about getting to play the game before other people. Well it might be, but I for us, for Secret Ponchos, early access is about getting to be with us when we're making it, you know, and talk to us every day. And I'm like, it's almost like they're in the studio with us, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, we're just going to continue dedicating a bunch of our time to play the game every day with people and just join their chat groups and let them, you know, and, and see what they have to say. Unless we start getting, like, abused or harassed, but we, <laughs> we, we had no idea what to expect, but it seems like everything's just so good right now. So Yeah. Awesome. Very awesome. You know, Very how, awesome. you know how the internet people can get super nasty, right? Like yes. yes. Yeah, so that's what we were thinking might happen if we were that available, you know? But it, it wasn't like that. Everyone's just like, it's just human beings all talking to each other. It's really nice. Awesome. That's, that's good to hear. I imagine there are a lot of other people that kind of have some of those same fears. So that is, that is encouraging. I think the whole system is sort of built around protecting people from those things. So everyone has like a handler, and you don't talk to the person, you talk to their handler, that kind of stuff. So right. When you see somebody out there who's kind of just putting their stuff out, it's a little refreshing to to hear that they're not, you know, out being outright attacked. That's a that's definitely a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, Brian, do you have anything else before we get into the end game? No, I think we should go uh, go right into the end game. Alright. So, uh, like we, we kind of explained, you know, before we started, um, I'd like to end our interviews with uh, a little bit of kind of like a questionnaire. Um, it was inspired by uh, James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio. Um, and it's, but it's, uh, it's a lot more video game focused, and it's more personal. Um, okay. So, here we go. Uh, question number one. Uh, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Ah... Uh. Um, Mitsurugi, I want to say, from Soul Calibur. Okay. I think he just, for me, when I saw that guy in Soul Blade in the intro chopping wheat in a field, I was like, oh my god, I want to become an animator. Like, it just, that was what inspired me, you know? And I, I remember, like, going on my computer with a hacked copy of a 3D program and trying to model Mitsurugi and stuff, so, I don't know, there's something just cool about that guy. Absolutely. Alright, well, flipping that coin, question number two is, who's your favorite antagonist? Bowser? Okay. Bowser. Bowser, alright. Bowser's not bad, you know, a little clumsy, but he's all right. He can well, what do you guys? Uh, I'm, I've always, and, and I will stand by this. I, I've always been a fan of uh, Kefka from Final okay. Fantasy VI. Um, just uh, you know, a, a pure, unbridled evil slash clown. And no one's ever actually asked me that question. So oh my God. you guys ask people every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. Like when, when I first. Uh, when we first started doing this, my wife actually ambushed me with some of these questions. So I have a lot of them already pre-planned and thought out. Uh, like, actually, so who's yours? 
my my favorite uh, antagonist would most likely be Saren from Mass Effect. Mm. Um, I he's one of the few uh, bad guys that I looked at, and I was like, but he's a believable bad guy. He's not evil to be evil. He thinks he's right, and right, I think that's right. a really compelling thing to have as a bad guy. Uh, protagonist, I'm gonna say Zoe Castillo from Dreamfall: The Longest Journey. Nice, very nice, very so. beautiful answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like the samurai because he looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that I mean, that's the main reason to like samurai. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan, you wanna yeah, continue with the? Uh, question number three. Um, what's your least favorite theme or trope in video games today? What would you like to kind of go away? Um, tutorials. I, I really like... I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I probably get in trouble for saying this, but I kind of hate how like game designers right now hold people's hands so much, and then it's like making making people expect that more and more and more and more, and then if they have to learn something, it gets, uh... Like, I just remember, like... I don't know, I think that's the fun of, like, a video game, is exploring this stuff and figuring it out, and, and um... I, I worked on some games where they were, like... We had to, like, tell the player how to move by pressing the left analog stick and, and jump by pressing the jump button, and I'm just like, really? Do we have to tell... Can we just put the controller in their hands and let them... Like, and that's why I like Limbo, because Limbo had no tutorials, you just figure it out, right? And um, mm -hmm. I like that kind of stuff. So that's, but that's my own kind of philosophy. And I, I think for every one of me, there's going to be ten people that like would get mad if there's no tutorial. So, <laughs> how about you guys? How about us? Oh, sorry, this is your test. <laughs> <laughs> we have tons of podcasts dedicated to what we don't like. <laughs> Uh, no, currently my uh, my my kind of least favorite thing seems to tends to go along the range of the um, kind of no female protagonists, or when they are, they're kind of like highly sexualized. Um, oh yeah. So you know, especially um, you know, the, like I don't I don't have a daughter, but my wife kind of pushes it, and I want my my boys to kind of grow up right and not have to not have to de like kind of be that and. So you so. you are gonna like Secret Ponchos because we when we design the characters, um, when we design the characters we actually like held off designing any girls until we could figure out what the way we want to do with this is and we figured it out um, is that you know we don't when you look at a character there's something about that character that's supposed to jump out and, and get you right and mm -hmm. for guys they always make it like oh this guy's like a, a Samurai, and this is the story, or whatever, and it's just cool, right? But for the girl, it's always like, oh, she's hot. That's the, that's her main thing. Yeah, and, that's mm -hmm. exactly. It's like and so. What we did was we decided let's just design girls as if they're guys. Like so, she's not cool. Like our matador is a good example. She's not cool because she's a girl or sexy. She's cool because she's a matador who fights gunfighters with a sword and a cape. You know, like uh, and that's what makes her cool. But that would make her cool if she was a guy too. You know. Um, yeah. And then, so that's the road we're going to take is just like, it's like, what do they do and who are they? That's what makes them cool. And their gender should be uh, incidental. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Great answer. Great answer. Question number four. We're going to go for a little bit of word association. I'm going to give you a word. You're just going to let me know the first kind of picture that comes to your mind. There's only one of these. Oh, okay. First time we're trying this. Okay, <laughs> here's your word. Switchblade monkey. <laughs> <laughs> switchblade was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> Some monkey holding the switchblade. Was he wearing anything? Oh, we're gonna nail this logo before you leave the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I imagine like a bunch of silhouettes of monkeys, and then they're all kind of, and then there's one in front, and he's kind of got his switchblade out, and they're all kind of hiding their hands behind their backs. That's kind of what I imagine. I like, like it. Kind of shadowy monkeys, and then one dude's just out front, like, I got it. Let's do this. Yeah. King of the Monkeys. Like 80s movies when there was gangs and they would fight. <laughs> so this is, this is like the Switchblade Monkey Sharks. It's like. 
Or jets. I mean, I'm not going to draw any lines for you. <laughs> My house is going for sharks here. Uh, excellent. All right. Question number five. Um, you guys are obviously living the dream right now. You're creating a, a game, something that was a uh, kind of a, uh, you know, a, a labor of love, if you will. And so if you had the chance to do anything else, to live another dream, um, what would you like to try? Um, I, uh, I used to actually do a lot of uh, competitive Muay Thai, like it's like Thai boxing before, and I was on Team Canada and stuff before I, I left to come to animation school, and uh, I kind of I, I um that was a really hard choice. I think if I could live an alternate life, if I could have two lives, I would would have done both. Like I would do one life where I just stayed that path, and one life where I did this. You know, it's like it's hard when you love too many things. You you have to choose, and it sucks. Like I wish you could like, you know, absolutely. It's, it's just there's it's, never enough time for that. Yeah, and it's like. To speak of like video games, like you have all these interests, and you have to really choose which ones you're going to put your stat points into, you know, and become really good at. And it, it, if you, I don't know, that, that's a, always a hard choice. Absolutely. Indeed. All right, six question. Six question has a little bit of a build up to it. Have you ever seen Escape from L.A.? <laughs> no. Okay. Nobody has, and I don't believe. <laughs> but that's kind of how I I, I couch this question. So I'm gonna. Explain a little bit, and then you're going to get the question kind of like right there. Um, okay. So in Escape from L.A., um, and, and, you know, spoilers, uh, not really because it wasn't really that great. It was it was okay. Uh, but uh, Snake Plissken, uh, Kurt Russell the hero, or anti-hero, um, he comes into uh, both, uh, he kind of comes into ownership of a magic button that controls a bunch of satellites over the Earth that basically will EMP the planet and send us back to the Stone Age. You get a note that says that is happening tomorrow. What game do you play tonight? Oh my god, I have to waste my last day playing a game? That's the only choice? Man, well, now it's not. Well, what would you do <laughs> I mean, you know, it was a kind of a weird way to ask, like, you know, kind of... What would, you, your favorite what would you game? like to play if you're minutes? Okay, I would go back. Have. I would go back and play. Can I go back in time for this one day? Sure. sure. Okay. You're, you're getting a note from the future <laughs> that EMPs are bombarding the you earth. Have, you can I'll, do I'll, I'll, whatever I'll put it you this want. Way. You don't have to. You don't have to go back in time. You actually, for some odd reason, and we'll work on the narrative later. Um, you end up in a warehouse with every game you can imagine. Right, right. But, but you're I... locked there, and you can't leave until the EMP blows the locks on the door. So I would, I would go back to my glory days, okay. where I was playing Ultima Online as a player killer, and okay. uh, and we had. Probably like, met my brother Booger. That's cool. That's cool. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun to be like on top of a game where the whole world hated you, but you were like the best, you know. And that was a. Uh, and I know I would have tears streaming down my eyes about the EMPs going off all around me <laughs> as I as I weeped while I played Ultima Online. All right, good. Thank you for making me think about that because I'll work that in in the future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our final question goes a little deep. Um, at the end of our lives, um, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds. Uh, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? That was my son's last word. I was going to say that. <laughs> your son's like, that was your son. Like, Father, what kind of a question was that yeah. to ask? Um, I don't understand. So, I, I'm, I'm, it's judgment day and Toad is asking me, what? Instead of, instead of heaven, I can't assume that, you know, that you believe in a heaven. I, okay. I like to assume everybody believes in the Mushroom Kingdom. Okay. Because we know it's there. It's experienced. So, you know, Toad is our gatekeeper. Right. Toad has a book that has everything you've done. And it kind of delivers, not, not a sentence, but just kind of like a quip before you're allowed to go inside. What What do you think he's going to... What do you think he's going to mention? What do you think he's going to say to you? Oh, man. Um, what would you like? like him? He it's going to be some kind of nagging, I know right now. <laughs> 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 <It's> just... <laughs> so, yeah. 
You're the only person so far in all of the times we've done this who's dreaded what Toad is going to say to us. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I'm, great, because oh, I'm just I, asking you what you'd like to hear, and you're telling me what you're going to hear. I, I, really I just plan to say, don't worry, don't worry, it's all good. It's all good, because I'll be, like, sweating at that point. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so you're just, gonna, you're just gonna sweat it, you just leave it out there. It's like, it's cool, just calm down, go inside, right. go, go eat some you're food, okay, have man. a drink, okay. hang out with some old friends. Yeah. 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 Alright, well, I, yes. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for making me explain things more than I've ever had to explain before. I appreciate that because that builds the narrative. Absolutely. Uh, so, you've passed with flying colors. You will get the same gold star as the person that named the Switchblade Monkeys and the Secret Ponchos. So. <laughs> that's it. Yep, that's it. That is our, our questionnaire, and that is the podcast. Thank you so much, Yusuf, for sitting down and talking to us uh, about Secret Ponchos. If you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about yeah, so said ponchos. Want, if you want Secret Ponchos... If you want the final version of Secret Ponchos, you can get it on, you know, you'll have to wait on for PS4 and for PC. But if you jump on Early Access now, uh, it's it's there on the Steam page. And uh, it's um, it's a lot of fun. It's a really addictive game, so I would recommend checking it out. And you can play some games with us. Uh, you can go to secretponchos.com. That's our website, and, and you'll find everything you need there. Awesome. Thank you once again, and uh, have a good night. Wish you the best of luck as you continue to make this uh, crazy, ambitious game now that uh, you're kind of thrust into the limelight. Go forth well, and conquer. <laughs> thank you so much. We, we just want to make sure it's an awesome, respectable game that people like, so that's... Well, it definitely we'll... sounds like you guys are going in the right direction, and it looks great. Thank you so much. Thank you.